0: Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Oh my god!
1: Thank you so much.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 1934 ceremony year win for Katherine Hepburn. This was her first of four Oscars. She is the recipient of most lead actor uh, Academy Awards in history. Um, I have lots of opinions about that, but we'll get into that. Uh, this was her very first. Uh, 1934 was a very interesting year because you only had three... Nominees, which actually makes it a lot more competitive. Uh, Best Actor went to Charles Lawton for *The Private Life of Henry VIII*. Best Director went to Frank Lloyd for *Cavalcade*, uh, which was a movie uh, with one of our nominees, Diane uh, Weinard. Um, there was no supporting actor or actress until 1937 at the Oscars, and in 1937, the first actor and actress to do that was Walter Brennan for *Come and Get It* and uh, Gail Sondergaard for Anthony Adverse uh, so it's just Best Actor uh, Best uh, Director Best Actress and the Best Picture was called Outstanding Production at the time and this also went to Cavalcade um, so Uh, Today I am joined by a friend, a guest that we've had on the podcast, definitely a fan favorite. He is a writer for This Hour Has 22 Minutes, which is a political satire show here in Canada. Very popular. They just won a Canadian Screen Award for Best uh, Sketch Series uh, for last year. And you also have one of the funniest jokes that I love so much. It's Dan Dillibo. Hi, Dan. Hello.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: And I was going to say the joke that I love so much that you say was you recently made a joke about a train in switzerland that was
1: oh yes
0: named after shania twain is that right
1: yeah there was a there was a new train uh, that was named shania train as a joke. <laughs> uh and the joke and it's truly one of those things like you you throw these jokes in thinking they're not gonna make the cut and then this one did it was like uh the the new train named shania train um but you know frankly that don't express me much <laughs> real like middle of the night stuff uh somehow made the show and then... so
0: it's it's hilarious that don't express me much that's fucking hilarious
1: <laughs> okay i'd beg I, I to differ on that one but I, I assume the reason you brought it up is because shania twain posted it on her instagram story. that's amazing
0: this is your new claim to fame
1: i th- i mean i'll take it i i if, if she's listening uh um, <laughs> shania we love you And uh, please come on the podcast.
0: It's, yeah, it's no longer about the accolades. It's no longer that you uh, have contributed in a writing room uh, in Schitt's Creek uh, or 22 Minutes that just won the Canadian Screen Awards. The fact that Shania Twain retweeted you.
1: This is why I wake up in the morning. This is why I do what
0: I do. I love that. I Yeah, we just did uh, karaoke. Anybody listening, it was my birthday this past weekend. Uh, Dan was there for that. Uh at my birthday blackout, we did karaoke to start the evening and I was shocked to see that they didn't have any Shania Twain or any did good Shania Twain. They had three That's songs. That's criminal. Which was You're Still the One and um another song that it's like these aren't the karaoke songs. Mm-hmm. And all I right. that I was I was very disappointed. I'm s- going to be sending a strongly worded letter to this karaoke bar. Yeah, that's
1: karaoke negligence. I mean the sheer volume yeah. of of white women passing through that space. I mean, you <laughs> must provide shania. That's a baseline. It's
0: so funny though cuz we we did private karaoke. It's like when you would go by each room. We were all kind of singing the same songs. You had mm-hmm. Don't Stop Believing, you had Yeah, yeah. Oh God! What else was there? There was uh, definitely—I don't know what it is with white people and karaoke, but there's always Sweet Caroline. Oh, we love it! Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's always Sweet Caroline. We did not do this.
1: Well, it's the ba 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 is the is the key the keystone to the whole thing. If you don't know the words, that's everybody can ba ba ba. Just ba ba ba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, in the song, it's not a vocal going ba ba ba. It's like a horn section. Yeah, but everybody just loves the
0: ba ba ba. Yeah, why not? That's so true. I never thought about that. It's white people adding their, uh, that's their cultural contribution. Yes. (laughs) yeah Is the ba-ba-ba. So, yeah, there you go. Um, So this particular episode for our listeners is obviously going to be a bit of a shorter episode because we only have three nominees. And um, I absolutely love doing this podcast. It's certainly a passion project, and I, I always love... Watching all of these movies, but to do one year where there's only three, it almost felt like a nice little vacation.
1: Little vacation for me too. That's that's why I I I zeroed in on this one. I was like three instead of five, baby. Yeah, let's do it. Little did I know, three absolute stinkers. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but we'll we'll get into that. Well,
0: it's hard, you know, because like obviously at the time in like the 1930s, like film was just not what it is today. That's true.
1: It's this is the sixth, uh, this is the toddler Oscars. It's still, true. The, the movies are still finding their legs. You yeah. Know, they didn't have Citizen Kane. They didn't have Casablanca. They didn't Gone know what the the they were. They, yeah. they were floundering. Right. Uh, yeah. So the, a lot of these mo- <laughs> and there were, were plenty of good movies. I don't mean to disparage all early movies. Like there are plenty of, plenty of good stuff happening in the early days of cinema. Weirdly, not getting nominated for Oscars. A lot of it's happening in other countries. Right. Uh, a lot of like great comedies from this era. Uh, King Kong was released this year, 1933, the original King Kong. Uh, at the time, that would have been like the equivalent of a Marvel movie. It's, right. Like, that's that's popcorn. That's not. We're not going to give that an Oscar. Right. You know that has stood the test of time far better than any of this other stuff. Very I did true. say something interesting I read about this. The sixth Oscars ceremony Um, so there like you said there were not too many categories it was very new uh, three nominations in each one, except there was a, there was an Oscar called best assistant director,
0: Ooh. which had
1: 18 nominations wow. and seven winners.
0: <laughs> We're just getting silly at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And I think it was discontinued after this year.
0: Cause they couldn't keep making the trophies for them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too getting it. too expensive.
1: It's also like, how would you, how would you know? It was such an inside industry thing. And that's what, you know, in the early days of the Oscars, it probably was not that interesting to people outside of the industry. So it was just like, oh, everybody knows who these assistant directors are. We all work on the same sets. Wait, but
0: if you were, if there were seven winners, is it dependent on who wins best director? So it's like, if you win best director, then
1: I have no whoever
0: idea. the assistant director is for that director also wins. I,
1: I think it was like, they're not even for specific movies. It was like, if you were an assistant director, you would work for the studio. Right. And you would just get assigned to whatever production. So you would do like eight or nine movies a year. Oh God. And then it would just be given to the person independent of any one movie. Right. And uh, another thing, another interesting tidbit. Uh, so it was hosted by Will Rogers, the comedian of the time, uh, when he presented Best Director, he opened the envelope and simply announced, come up and get it, Frank. Yeah. Uh, and so Frank Capra was one of the nominees. Certainly he was the winner, ran to the podium to collect the Oscar, only to discover that Rogers had met Frank Lloyd, yeah. who had won for Capra. I heard that, I was like, ugh, <laughs> that is so Which awkward. Is so... I mean, if you're the host, why why the hell would you say come up and get it frank if there were two franks
0: because he, he's a comedian he oh hates gosh. himself so he, he has to bring everybody else down with him
1: what a blunder I love it
0: it's also the opening of Zoolander is it actually yeah because uh, Ben Stiller they're like Hansel is the winner and then Ben Stiller thinks it was him and then he goes up on stage and accepts an award that's oh, not for him that's so funny um, maybe that's where they got the inspiration um the the thing is, though, is these movies, yeah, they're not super great, but I do think that they, each one of them has their moments. Um, but I do think that at the time, because there were only three nominees, it was like more competitive because it was like, we only have three good performances and these are gonna be our three. Because as far as I'm concerned, I think that you could make a point for every single one of these people to win this Oscar. Because I don't think according to the standard of Oscar wins that we're used to today, we're like Michelle Yeoh was like doing Kung Fu and doing an emotional story at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's like um, back then, this was like the cream of the crop. So it's like you kind of have to obviously consider it within its context of its time period. But also, I wasn't really wowed by any of these performances. So um, you have to kind of... Make your own point of which one you might select based on personal choices, because um, you know, great Catherine Hepburn won, but I think they probably let her win this year, or not, they, or not let her win. They probably awarded her this year because they're like, you're clearly a star. Mm-hmm. You have we're going to invest this Oscar into your career, mm-hmm. and uh yeah, like I think this was more of an investment than it was like, wow, what an amazing performance in Morning Glory For as Ava sure. Lovelace.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very much a star. I think this was like her third performance ever. And so this was very much like, we see a star on the rise in you. And this is, as we'll see with this movie also, it was like uh, the whole point, Hollywood was very much in its sort of image creation era. You know, this was a very like rosy, optimistic vision of Hollywood where like, you know, we'll make you a star and your dreams will come true. We didn't really, there wasn't quite yet that seedy image of like, the, down, the Ugly Downside of Fame. Babylon? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. Um, uh, which, by the way, I did watch uh, Babylon. I-, I don't really know why people are not saying that Gene Smart's British accent is just offensive. It was so <laughs> bad. It was so distracting. It kind of ruined the movie for me a little bit. It was bit.
1: like a little bit of that, that mid-Atlantic, kind of like a Catherine Hepburn thing. Almost. Yes. The mid-Atlantic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where it it would be like, oh dear, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I need some crumpets with my tea. It was like, what is this?
1: Movies all over the place in in many ways. <laughs> in
0: many ways, okay. Well, I guess the reason why I brought up Babylon is because while all these movies are being filmed, I'm just picturing like Babylon happening like in the background because they're into talkies now. 1933 when these movies were filmed. Um, Okay, so let's jump into our first movie. Let's talk about Cavalcade with Diana Wynard. So very quickly, Cavalcade, uh, and a reminder, Best Picture and Best Director winner, is a portrayal of the triumphs and tragedies of two English families, the Upper Crust Marriottes and the working class Bridgeses from 1899 to 1933. So it's kind of like a Downton Abbey thing where you hear the rich people's point of view and also the poor people's point of view. Um, Diane Weinert in this movie plays Jane Marriott and she is the person... She's the matriarch of the family. She's very rich. She's like the high lady of the house. Mm -hmm. And she... uh, Yeah, she's a high society woman at the turn of the century and um, she cannot seem to be able to keep her children alive. Like, she just...
1: They are dropping like flies these days. They are dropping
0: like flies. I thought in the end that other one would actually live.
1: No, no, no. And then he
0: had to die too. Not
1: in Cavalcade, baby. Not in
0: Cavalcade. Um, so this is a, a period piece. It's This is a period piece of a period piece because this is for us an old movie yes yeah, yeah, yeah and then we're also going back in time yeah in this old movie it starts
1: at like the turn of the century uh the boer war is happening and then it kind of
0: which is in south africa i had yes. to look that up because i don't know what the boer war is and i'm yes. sure many people listening also have no idea <laughs> so it was in south africa
1: and then you're kind of seeing uh events the major events of the past 30 years up to I think 1933 which is when the movie comes out and it really oh my god I really gave it my best effort I I I sat down and I watched almost all of it But my god this is truly it's got to be the most boring movie to ever win best picture certainly I mean it is this is literally um you know this this sort of wealthy couple uh just kind of reacting to world events happening off camera um, so episodic, so choppy. It's like, um, it's literally exactly what you. okay. It's the, 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 we're hearing about the Boer war in the newspaper and then a we'll cut to, you know, we're hearing about, uh, the Titanic we're hearing about mm. world war one. Um, and I can, I, I kind of get why this was such a big hit at the time because it's, this was in living memory for the audience. So it's like, we're, we're reflecting on our own experience of sitting in a room and hearing that a war is happening right uh so you're people are bringing a lot of their own baggage to this one it's it's very fresh i guess but it's truly like nothing nothing has (laughs) happened and i think you could get away with that back then again because movies were so young you could you know you could just show like hey here's a little recap of the past 30 years true a little a little smattering of songs uh popular songs from the era Uh, And that was enough. That was uh, you know that was that was best picture worthy.
0: You're, I mean, I think that was one of the biggest um, criticisms of this movie because people look back on it and they just go, "Oh, how cute that this won best picture." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people kind of just talk about how um, there's really not a lot going on here. I didn't really age very, very well. Um, But you know, there there are moments. Um, I love the way that they uh, would save money by doing these big war scenes by just like taking overlapping shots of soldiers walking. Yeah and they yeah, would yeah. make it like translucent over like I don't know, like just a uh like a like a French countryside or like a yeah. German countryside and, and what I,
1: kind of chaos montages. Yeah and then with and no then production like, value. But yeah, just like horses and like explosions shot on a sound And then it'd be like
0: nineteen seventeen and then it'd be like nineteen eighteen and then I thought it was kind of interesting the way that they would solve those, like, high-budget challenges and the creative way that they did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So, So they actually really predominantly feature the Titanic, which one of the sons and fiancé dies on the Titanic.
1: This is truly one of the great, I think, reveals in the movie, (laughs) possibly in any movie uh when they were so this is like you know like sometimes you play this as comedy like the reveal of the dates you know what I mean? Like, a, right. oh, like oh, surprises happening on this date. Like, I don't know if you saw the new Party Down or whatever. I did not. It's like a, it's a, a, a reboot season. It kind of picks up ten years after, and it's like we're getting the gang back together. And the end of the first episode is like, oh, everything is going great for the catering company. Uh, you know, this is going to be the best year ever. And then you see the date, and it's like March fourteenth, twenty twenty, like right before lockdown. Right. And that's the joke is like, oh, we, the audience, know that everything's about to collapse. Yeah, that was like Which that... usually that's how you play it. Right. With this <laughs> they do it <laughs> the dramatic version which is like you see the couple on the Titanic. You know, they're on a ship on our, uh, on their honeymoon having a very dramatic conversation about this is our time. We're going to we're going to live the we're going to live our lives to the fullest. And then you see the date <laughs> April whatever 1912. Yeah. That and you see the the words the Titanic on the uh, the life preserver or whatever. Yeah. It is truly I I laughed audibly. It's so <laughs> it's such an insane but I see what they're like they're they're trying so desperately to shoehorn this family into all these world events tragedy way that it yeah, makes sense. Right. But they were they always don't... in the wrong place. Yes. Yeah. 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 They're, um, they're truly just like the Forrest Gumps of the early 20th century. They're <laughs> right? Always That's so true. Always in the right place at the right time.
0: That's so funny. Um, well, so this movie was actually released on the 15th of April, 1933, in conjunction with the 21st anniversary of the ship's sinking. So oh. the audience already, it was like wink, wink, to the audience. Also, um, the music uh, that is playing on the ship are actually is actually. Um, uh, the oh my gosh, the background music was playing um Joan Strauss, the Blue Danube, which is the mm-hmm. same music that the musicians are playing in the James Cameron's Titanic. Oh yeah. yeah. And he did that as kind of like a tribute to this movie. Uh, or perhaps, historically speaking, maybe that was actually the music. But anyway, this is what I saw on IMGB.
1: That's the one where, where uh, Homer is eating the chips on the space station.
0: I th- No, that's... Isn't that... Uh, that's Blue Danube, right? Uh, no, Blue Danube is... Um, oh, my God, I'm not even going to... No, it's like... Is it? Yeah. Okay, that's that's the blue gin. Anyway, um, or or maybe it is. I don't know. Somebody message me. I don't know. I'm gonna but Google it after. Do Google it. Um, this I thought was very funny though. One of the this is one of the first films ever to use the words "damn" and "hell." Mm, because, very racy. Well, because at one point, so that drunk husband, uh, who comes in, Alfred, he comes in and speaks to Lady Jane Meryott, and. I guess he was drunk and um, he says like some words to her and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that he said all those things. And she was like, so like, oh, dear. and she had to like leave immediately. And yeah, I was yeah. like, what
1: did he say? Fainting probably. Everybody's fainting in this movie. Of course. Yes. Uh, overwhelmed by the vapors. A lot, of, a lot of weep, a lot of weeping on couches, a lot of uh, overwrought.
0: Well, I feel like it's because he must have used the words damn and hell.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. we're
0: just so... So very uncouth
1: Yeah, it's, and so we're just... I, I didn't get
0: it. Um, but, okay. So let's specifically talk about Diana Wynyard's performance here. Because the only th- sort of through line of this movie, other than, like, her kid's, like, constantly dying in tragedy, and everybody, everybody... I and mean, Alfred gets run over by a...
1: Alfred is the butler, right? Alfred
0: is the butler, or but the then Sir he... the manservant. But then he opens a bar and becomes an alcoholic.
1: Yes, so then, and then he's and then, die, and then he's run over by like a horse ambulance.
0: Yeah, oh, and also this movie brought a lot of rolling your r's. Oh. So it was like at one point um, when Joey and like his then to be wife, who was the daughter of Alfred, mm-hmm. and she goes, "Oh, Joey, isn't it thrilling?" And I'm like, "Wow!" <laughs> like they really brought the Rs back then. They, they really brought the thunder. That was how that was how you enunciated That's on stage. Uh I, I enjoyed that. Uh, but but the, the, the emotional story of Jane Marriott, played by Diane Weinyard, was kind of like the through line of the film, because it was mostly just her having to act like a, a, an emotional rock while everything, her men left for war. Yes, and her
1: sons are getting picked off in, in South Africa, and then in World the War One. Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> and yeah, she's, she's left with it. It's true, like... And again, I, I definitely looked at almost every frame of this movie <laughs> and I was, I was really afterwards struggling to remember anything <laughs> that her character did or said right. that was memorable to me. It, yeah. She's, she's just the matriarch of this family kind of, uh, you know, he, hearing news and being silently distraught. Mm-hmm. At one point she smokes a cigarette kind of dramatically yeah, right. to show that she's been beaten down by, by the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like, it's a very dramatically inert movie. And she kind of like <laughs> captures that, like they did not give her anything to do. And I think she gets nominated just, it's just one of those scenarios where everybody's so hot on this movie. This is the big movie of the year. We're giving it best picture, best director. She kind of slips in there on the basis of that. And good for her. I don't uh, know. I mean,
0: I, I do think that like, because it was like the 1930s, I feel like having this, like, you know, overly emotional wife always breaking down and crying. I feel like they reward her performance because she was so, like, I'm going to be strong.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I have
0: to be tough because at the time it was all about, like, true grit back then. And That's
1: true. This is a deep, like, almost, like, comically patriotic movie. She, <laughs> yeah, right. she really represents the sort of British, like, stiff upper lip yeah, like you know, make make more sons to send off to war. Do mm. like do your duty to, to right. king and country.
0: That's right, king and um, country. Absolutely. She
1: has uh, she has one of those Wikipedia pages that's like clearly been written by her estate. <laughs> like, one of the lines is like, uh, as the noble wife and mother, she aged gracefully against a background of the Boer War. The Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Does it sound like an encyclopedia? A little bit. Uh, this was also reportedly Adolf Hitler's favorite film.
0: Oh, Mm. wow. High praise. I know. (laughs) He was uh, a bit of a cinephile, (laughs) I've I've heard. Oh, God. So if anybody likes this movie, I guess you're (laughs) anti-Semitic. Jeez. That's a weird fact. Where did you... Was that on the Wikipedia? On Wikipedia, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe Hitler's estate wrote that.
1: (laughs) It's really... slipping in some some pr for him after the fact <laughs> it's kind of we crazy. gotta rehab hitler on wikipedia it would be weird that that would be his nobody favorite movie. nobody clipped that in isolation and and
0: <laughs> but it would be weird that that would be his favorite movie considering they clearly show great britain being the tragic figures having to fight germany in the first world war
1: yeah i think it's just just the sort of again the obscene patriotism of it like a true i i swear to god this is how the last shot of the movie is um is all the dead soldiers uh who have died in all the wars going to heaven to the tune <laughs> of god save the king right you cannot make this up and they're toasting because yeah. it's new year's and, and this we've... would have had like people were, would have been in tears at the time right this would have been so fresh um, yeah, you see all the, the ghosts and the, the ghost horses also going through the sky above the church. Oh yeah. Which is very like, uh, it begs the question also, do the horses go to people heaven? Or all horses ho- go to heaven. Or do the horses go to horse heaven?
0: They go to horse heaven. Okay. Yeah. So that at
1: some point the, the people have to get off the horses and there's like a, yeah, a fork in the road.
0: Yeah. There's somebody with like a headset and a clipboard and they're like, okay, excuse me. And they have horses like a, to the left. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, okay. they're directing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm certainly an authority on that.
1: On heaven stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got, I got, in, I used to get in trouble at Sunday school for asking like very specific questions about like, <laughs> what does God's house look like? You know, what is like the, what's like the layout of he- Like, how big is? Yeah. In heaven? ground pool or like, ground? One town? Is it like bigger than my hometown? Right. Like, and they, were, you could tell that they're like, hey, kids got too many questions.
0: Yeah. And then they're telling you to stop questioning everything, which is the opposite of what a writer does. <laughs> and you uh, rose above all that adversity and became a writer. All the, all the
1: adversity of going to a boring Sunday school
0: <laughs> to be retweeted by Shania Twain. <laughs> um,
1: I truly think that, like, if you're gonna, if your whole religion is is premised on. You know, you live your shit life and you in in exchange you get your eternal reward is you get to go to heaven. I feel like you should at least be able to answer a few follow up questions <laughs> about like, what's what's the what's the street layout in heaven? Is it a grid system? Is yeah. it like you know, what is my what is my do I have an apartment? Do right. I have a split level? What's the deal here?
0: Do I have a, do I have a roommate?
1: Yeah, do I have to yeah, do I have Is to it share? rent controlled? Yeah. <laughs> These are important questions. These are the big questions. These are
0: divine questions
1: Pastor Frank, get on it
0: I mean maybe that's the sequel to this movie <laughs> but but listen so at one point Fanny and Joe this is Joe is the Fanny this was the daughter of Alfred and Joe was the son of um, uh, Jane mm-hmm. and uh, at one point they kind of get together. And you don't really see Jane for like a long time, which is unfortunate because she's kind of the glue holding the characters together in like an emotional sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that she carried the weight of all of the tragedy on her shoulders and she would be strong in front of her children. But then whenever they would get on the train and she couldn't see them anymore, she would break down. The only um, thing that I would say to her performance that I really didn't enjoy was that after she reads the letter saying that Joe was dead, she like falls on the floor in the most corny, dramatic, RuPaul's Drag Race acting challenge kind of way. Oh yeah, she
1: full on death drops. Yeah, she death
0: drop. I was like, girl. In the uh, middle of the salon. Yeah, in the salon, yeah. Um, and then at the end, you know, a lot of time has passed her and her husband, although I did also think what was also very funny was never her kids get this, like, major growth spurt where they go, like, four years in the future, but the kids have aged, like, 40 years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're really skimping on the old age makeup in this one. So, yeah, the kids are suddenly... Old, the kids are now replaced by adult actors. Yes. And the, the parents look exactly the same. And so there's... You're always, <laughs> like, are they... Okay, is that the daughter? Is that the... Are they... Married? Why? Okay, they're making out, so that's probably not the mom. Yeah, like it was. Con- you're constantly having to play catch up with who is who. Yeah, there
0: was a, there was a guessing game for sure. Um, this movie was the first film produced by Fox to win Best Picture Oscar, but as I said earlier, it was actually called Outstanding Production at the time. Uh, this was the third war film within six years to win Best Picture Academy Award. Uh, the other being the others being Wings and All Quiet on the Western Front which uh, has been remade into a fantastic film on Netflix that won a lot of Oscars this year. And, uh, yeah, okay. I think that we've covered a lot here with this film and also with uh, this performance because the the big things to kind of note is I just like the way that she um, keeps it together for the family. But like you're saying, there's not really a lot going on here.
1: Yeah, not, not great. Uh, would not recommend. Uh, I can see it being <laughs> good if you like if you if you fell into a coma around the turn of the century <laughs> and then woke up in the mid 30s and you you only had 2 hours to get caught up on on all the major events and you wanted a little smattering of everything <laughs> this is this is a great movie to watch i love that other than that uh, <laughs> almost nothing to offer okay
0: i love that Hey, Best Actress listeners. Enjoying the show? Wanna hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies. It's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, let's talk about Mae Robson and Lady for a Day. So I actually very much enjoyed this movie for the first two acts. (laughs) And then it gets garbage so very quickly a gangster tries to make apple annie by the way everybody has like a a name uh like this you have uh you have uh apple annie i mean i'm gonna look up the other character dave the dude dave the dude
1: yeah so apple annie is this kind of older like down in her luck woman she's a peddler she sells apples on the streets and she has kind of a, a, a friendship, I guess, with Dave the Dude, who's like this big time hustler. Yeah. And he, he buys an apple from her every day for good luck.
0: For good luck, because he's a gambler. Yeah. And this apple brings her. But then the problem is that one day she is missing because uh, she's been lying to her illegitimate daughter.
1: Yeah, her daughter that she, like, she gave up. To the convent, I guess, as a baby, and is now living, living in, in Spain. In Spain, and is getting married to like a rich, you know, baron or something.
0: And she's been lying about her also being rich. May yes. Robson is, and so and now she... the daughter
1: is coming to a New York. Yes, and and she's and she has to to fake being rich, being a lady for a day. Basically.
0: and she you know, is. It's a... <laughs> not
1: explained why she can't come clean. It's not explained why she uh, embarked on this ruse. Yeah. Here here's the setup. We gotta we gotta take this bag lady and make her uh, a, a fancy Oh
0: there's uh, a lot of a lot of these movies you have to just be like, okay, this is just what's happening yes. and just we're just gonna accept buy it.
1: Buy in, don't think about it. Don't think about it. But this is this is like a comedy premise that is played dead straight. Like no, it's not clear that anybody involved in the movie knew that they were making a comedy.
0: Sure. But I also enjoy the fact that you have this like Um, She's an odd character. She's an alcoholic. They're very honest about that. Mm -hmm. And she's an older, mature actress. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this time when everybody had to be looking like Katherine Hepburn, for example. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, when I see an old alcoholic character – uh, who is full of lies? And you're a, a mature <laughs> woman. I literally am just like, okay, Rose. You have my attention. <laughs> I'm listening. Um, I found it intriguing off the top. I love this. The the watching her. Um, ask this fancy hotel if they could just lie and like, Oh, just say I'm staying here. Uh," Like I loved um, her desperation. I think that there was a lot of fantastic moments from her when she was Apple Annie and the way that she was so desperate to uh, make this lie happen where she lost me was once... uh, What's his name? Dave the Dude? Dave the Dude. Dave the Dude. Now just call him. Come on, dude. Yeah, brings in his friend's wife who works at the nightclub who gives her like a full Pretty Woman makeover Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden she comes out and she is, like, a full-on lady. She's carrying herself like a lady. She's talking like a lady. She's no longer, like, an alcoholic. And she's no longer um, saying, like, street trash I don't know, lingo. Mm-hmm. She has completely lost herself. And now she is this very fancy lady with no coaching, yeah. with no instruction. She just automatically is. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. where you lose me. Because it was super interesting as Apple Annie. But then once she became a lady for a day, she immediately became a completely different person. But there was no journey or montage of mm-hmm. how that happened. Yeah. And once that happened, you lost me. Because I found it super fun and super interesting at first, and then... Once the Dave the Dude and, like, the whole gambling uh, cast and crew, because they had this very intricate lie with actors and friends and all these mm-hmm. things
1: planned. And the con keeps getting more and more elaborate and spiraling out of control. And the
0: police are wondering where the p- reporters... Yeah, these they're kidnapping society... journalists. Yeah, and, and it just started, it started becoming, like, really convoluted, really confusing, and then it started to become more about Dave the Dude and, like, his team than it was at Mm -hmm. all about uh, May Robson because she, uh, she's just gone. Yeah. She just fully disappears. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I thought this was lady for a day. Not you're trying to conspire. You're trying to plan something against the police in your basement for fucking 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. 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 100%. It It lost
0: me. I was like, we had a very strong open and then this got so boring. Mm
1: -hmm. It is very, yeah. Paper thin, these characters. And And I don't, Again, I don't like to you know ding these older movies for what I see as like screenplay mistakes, right? Because again, they're finding the medium in real time, right? But Different I, I will time. say, you know, if they were making this movie today with this premise, you would want to see, uh, a, you would want to see an arc with Appalani and the daughter reconnecting after, uh, not her not having been a part of the daughter's life and and catching up, and maybe there's resentment on the, the daughter's part. Uh, for for giving her away, and then maybe you want to see something with the daughter and this this rich Spaniard that she's marrying, and maybe she she realizes that oh uh, I'm I'm not meant to marry this guy, maybe maybe he doesn't love me for me, and then you maybe you want to see a little arc with uh, Apollinary and the dude like because he's basically concocting doing this all whole, of this for her, yeah, but like using her for his own selfish ends, and then like maybe you want to see him kind of gradually coming to love and respect her and 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 doing this for the right reasons none of that happens yeah no it is literally what happens is we are going to pull off this con and then the entire movie is about the mechanics of executing the con and like bringing people on board yeah and then in the end uh the con works perfectly
0: (laughs) perfectly the moral of the story because she gets away with it lie is just lie.
1: and keep lying yeah keep digging yourself into yeah. a hole lie to the
0: police yeah lie to your family you're
1: so our, our modern sensibilities are so conditioned to be like okay they're gonna get found out yeah <laughs> but in the process of having done this elaborate thing they will gain something more valuable yeah they will gain the connection that we always nope that's not true yeah doesn't that <laughs> the con works daughter's getting married to this Guy, they, they get on a boat and go away. Yeah, uh, and we all, I guess, go back to our regular lives now. <laughs> also, were like like, was a was a ship shoving off.
0: Doc, was this always like a bring in the marching band and we'll have fireworks and streamers and confetti moments? Ships were
1: very new. It was, this was, every, every ship launching was cause for a
0: celebration. In all these movies,
1: it's this huge
0: party. Oh yeah. And I'm like, was that just tradition? Cause like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that was a lot. (laughs) Um, At first, I kind of thought this movie was going to be like a Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris moment, where it's like she's like a working class woman, and then she gets to enjoy like the the rich lifestyle for kind of a sec, and then she like my fair
1: lady that kind like yeah,
0: I've never seen My Fair Lady, but I but like what I'm saying, it's like does she and then she goes back to like the poor lifestyle, and then she takes the things that she's learned from the rich lifestyle, and then she like applies them to her new character, and it shows like development and growth. No, no,
1: no, those those are all modern. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like, bring your yeah. modern expectations yeah. to this. Yeah, character development is really old that. It's like just con
0: everyone around you and you'll get away with it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just lie. Um but yeah, I I, I think for me the Oscar moment for her was when they they're looking for apple Annie cuz they fucking need those apples. These are some fucking high-stake apples. Mm-hmm. Um to the point where yeah, they're they're kidnapping people for these fucking apples. Um which is really funny um, because she lives in like downtown. She's in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So you're like, where are you even getting these? You can probably just get them from like a fucking local. But anyway, it's silly. Um, And they go in to find her at her apartment and, uh, you know, she has like the crooked wig and her hair is all messy and she's like fucking wasted. Mm -hmm. I think that because also at one point, Catherine Hepburn in Morning Glory is like drunk and it's like a very like silly, like, have you ever been drunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catherine Hepburn, because this is not it. And in this, it seemed very realistic. Mm,
1: drunk acting is is hard yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, When you're drunk, you're trying to pretend that you're not drunk.
0: True. And I
1: feel that, uh, yeah, it, when, when people are bad, like acting drunk, like they're really over the top with it.
0: You're right. A um, couple things about this movie. Uh, oh, you already mentioned that thing about Frank Capra and best director fail. Uh, Frank Capra would actually later remake this as Pocket Full of Miracles in 1961, which ended up being his final film in a pre-code moment Mae Robson as Apple Annie admits that she was never married and by 1934 this sort of quote unwed mother revelation would never be allowed in a Hollywood film (laughs) Uh, and this is the first Columbia Pictures release to be nominated for a Best Picture Academy Award a year later they would go on to win Best Picture for another Capra film in It Happened One Night with Claudette Colbert I haven't done that episode yet oh that's a good one I I haven't even seen it helping solidify the studio's reputation which is still carries into today um but when she was like the high society lady and she was like with her daughter and they were like just deceiving her the entire time um there didn't really seem to be a consequence for that and so was this a comedy and that was supposed to be like the
1: comedic moment of it it's like an unfunny comedy yeah it's it's one of those just truly bizarre tones that like v- exter- no. I don't know I don't know if it
0: was bizarre if it was just like unclear
1: yeah it was based on a short story called Madame la Gimp <laughs> uh I assume they just kind of uh you know adapted it pretty straight um it feels, definitely feels like a very thin short story stretch to feature length. I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. Because they're, you're like, you, okay, you, you we have, have our, and then it just, she just disappears for the whole fucking movie. And then it becomes more about trying to hide things from the police than anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's mostly just them talking about it, not actually doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which. I realized that was probably for budgetary reasons how they made films back then, but as an audience member in 2023, it's really fucking boring.
1: Yes, agreed. Yeah, uh, Mae Robson uh, was born in 1858, uh, and she was the oldest born person to ever be nominated for an Oscar.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And and I just I just really did enjoy the fact that you had sort of like an older. Woman instead of some like young ingenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's refreshing. It was refreshing.
1: We do have to talk about the the funniest movie. the, the funniest part of the movie, uh, which is when so uh, w- Missouri Martin is like one of the dudes. Uh, she works at the dudes' club. She's like a flapper girl, I guess, or a singer. And she's the one who uh, gives Appalachian this makeover mm-hmm. when they're doing the the plan. She shows up with like a dozen stylists, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all going to the back room. Uh, and one of them is a man, and uh, and the dude is like, "Wait a minute, you can't go in there with the women." Oh, and, yeah. and Missouri Barnes <laughs> like, "Trust me, he's fine." <laughs> and then the dude says, "Oh, Pierre." Yeah, <laughs> and Pierre kind of gives, gives eyes, and then it's like it's kind of like a again, this is a very pre code yeah. joke too. You would not have yeah. been able to 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 reference. Yeah. homosexuality at all after this year, right? But I kind—I of, don't know—it I kind of struck me as like a pretty progressive for 1933. Well,
0: right, because yeah, it's not even about like queer coding. It's like mm. that was obviously a blatantly—that's true, yeah—gay yeah. joke.
1: Yes, and everybody in the audience would have known what that meant.
0: Yeah, which is yeah, you're funny. I, that's funny. I I remember that moment, but I didn't even really clock that. But I guess yeah, like. Um, <laughs> it's
1: such a funny... It's the perfect, like, name for a gay stylist. Also, Pierre. Pierre, oh, of course. <laughs>
0: well, that's, like, uh, Michael Caine in... Michael Caine in, uh, Michael Kane is what is Michael what Caine is Michael Caine in Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. He's, like, the fussy, you know, pageant consultant, yeah, yeah. and it's... Maybe that's what it was inspired by. I don't know, but, like, <laughs> he was going in for that moment. Um, but, yeah this movie had me until the makeover and then the makeover it was like a completely different character mm-hmm. and a completely different performance and the moral of the story is just lie yep
1: yeah 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 um you know what honestly pretty cool maybe <laughs> you <gonna> be <laughs> too hard on this movie maybe they should make more movies that are just about how lying is awesome and works
0: and works <laughs> yeah I mean the anti-hero is pretty popular these days I suppose mm-hmm. um all right should we... Okay, I think we should move on. Let's do it. To our final performance and winner. Catherine Hepburn in Morning Glory. So, still not clear why the movie is called Morning Glory. Um, but very quickly, when a naively innocent aspiring actress arrives on the Broadway scene, she is taken under the wing of several theater veterans who mentor her to ultimate success. Um... I got to say, mm-hmm. this movie was not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And um, seeing Catherine Hepburn come in as like a young ingenue and sort of work her way up as an unknown actress to a famous actress, I'm sure that this probably, if they are, are going to give her this award as an investment uh, into her career, it, the, the the narrative of the character Ava Lovelace would maybe play into how audiences would view Catherine Hepburn. Um, so it's like the narrative of the character and the movie would lead to her career and like what she would go on to do. So maybe that was very exciting for audiences at the time.
1: I think also it was just such a sparse year. I mean, these other two movies like that we just talked, like both of the lead actors, uh, lead actresses have almost nothing to do. Yeah. So Almost right. by default. Yeah. You got to give it to Katherine Hepburn. She lights up the screen. She's like, yeah. Yeah, or she's Extreme like... Extreme presence. Yeah, she's like this very sort of spunky, sort of nonconformist actress, and she she's very, you know, principled. She has a lot of big ideas mm-hmm. about her acting career and what she wants to do, and she's very ambitious. And
0: she never stops talking.
1: She never stops talking. She, she never lets anybody answer her question. Total mouth. <laughs> yeah. At one point, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... Uh, work for you know I'm gonna rise to the peak of my career and then I'm gonna kill myself on stage.
0: Yes, for my for my fans. <laughs> everyone's like,
1: who is this interesting dame? Yeah, like, no, the, but that's not a red flag for anybody in the scene. But yeah, it's it sort of charts her uh, early career as a stage actress, mm-hmm. and it's truly choppy as all hell. Like this movie is, I think, 70 <laughs> minutes long. Yes, you, you really, 73. Okay, yeah, you really feel like there was some budgetary constraints because it's yeah you see her at the uh, you know, f- forming this kind of initial bond with um, the guy's C. Name? Aubrey Smith. Uh,
0: uh, no, Easton was the the the, the director that she wanted, or the the guy that was the in pretty of the, the Broadway producer. Yeah,
1: and then there's a there's a, a screenwriter, uh, and she kind of meets them initially. She kind of pictures herself, and then. Uh, and like cuts to go like away. a year later, we're like, okay, now she's been working them for for them for a while and did a bad job. Yeah, and they are like, all right, I'm, you know, there's a lot of a lot of telling me what's been happening in this.
0: And then she comes to the party that Siobhe Smith, the old British actor who was uh, coaching her at one point, but she mm-hmm. couldn't afford to pay him, also did not give him an option whether or not that he could coach her. She was like, "You
1: are going to be my acting coach." Yeah, and yeah, He was yeah. just like, "I right. don't know
0: who you are, bitch." she falls like, wow. in line.
1: Everyone is very one over by her charm.
0: Yeah. Very, she's extremely tenacious. Mm-hmm. She will not take no for an answer, but she also won't even let them say no because she never stops talking.
1: And so she um, comes to this Broadway party, and this is kind of the, sh- the showcase scene for her. Because she, she gets, gets drunk. She gets a little tipsy. And, and gives
0: and, some Shakespeare uh, monologues. Yes.
1: Two of them. Two full Shakespeare monologues. <laughs> and this is like, I don't know, do you feel like we encounter people like this in our, in our circles of showbiz people parties where someone's like, everybody shut up. She's going to sing. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you look at me when you say that? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like truly, uh, when it happens in real life, it's like, this is the craziest thing that someone would do this at a party. Totally. But this, you know, everybody is charmed by her when she, this is, this is a world where like people are bowled over by, uh, by great acting, great monologuing. Yeah. And she, (laughs) she does these two monologues and everyone's, uh, Convinced that she's the next big thing, and then it's like, it's kind of implied. I don't know what you read on this one. It's it's implied that she sleeps with the producer. Yes, he she does. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they really, really tiptoe around it. Cause well, because she down was next, drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he's like lean. She's leaning on his lap, and then it cuts to the next morning, and he's like, "I've, I've done a shameful thing."
0: <laughs> she's she's in my bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to look that one up too. I wrote. She sleeps with Mr. Easton, or I thought it was that situation because it was implied, question mark? Yeah. And she... I was
1: hoping for... This pre-code. I was hoping for a little more juice. Yeah. Even then, there was some self-policing happening. Oh, well,
0: she falls madly in love with him. Because he said, oh, she's madly in love with me because she's such a romantic. It's Mm -hmm. like you had one drunken hookup and you think that she's... But she was. She was, like, obsessed with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Because
1: it's very uh, sort of... Uh, myopic, like she she falls in love with him because he sees her talent, right? And that that's that's the reason why this is the man for me.
0: Well, then I thought, okay, now we're gonna have like a Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction moment, yeah, yeah. And then she's gonna get crazy, and then she's gonna kill him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And then it's going to be morning glory. No, that's too scandalous. I think she's going to kill him in the morning or something. I don't know. And I'm like, okay. So um,
1: that's like, like two thirds of the way through. So now there's another little time <laughs> jump.
0: Yes. Now we're basically at the end. And Rita is the other actress. It's almost like a really crappy version of All About Eve. Um, yeah. Because she kind of comes in and like kind of snatches her role. Mm-hmm. Because Rita is the more established actress and she's in this play. Mm-hmm. But she demands more money. And uh, they're like, we don't don't want to... They didn't really explain why they wouldn't give her more money because she was clearly
1: valuable. She has the audacity to demand to be paid what she is worth. Yes. And the producers are like, get out of my (laughs) sight. And and the movie is on the producer's side also. This is a very pro... Like establishment Hollywood producers' movie, yes. like how dare this woman? Yeah, this woman demand to, <laughs> a salary for her work.
0: And has much changed?
1: I don't know. And so she's out on her ass. She's out, so, <laughs> and this is right before the, our big play is opening. Yeah, what are we gonna do? Who's gonna play the role? Um And then this, the playwright reveals that he's been secretly uh, nurturing. Uh, what's her name? Catherine Hepburn's character, uh, Ava Lovelace. Ava Lovelace as a as a secret understudy, and she's here now, and she's ready to take it on. Yeah, and she and she does. We don't see it. Uh, but we we are led to believe that, that it she was amazing. Destroys.
0: And then she comes in. Actually, I was obsessed with her dress at the end. It was this big sparkly tinfoil dress. And mm-hmm. she had like a white mink stole yeah. over herself. And I'm like, I love that kind of classic glam. Mm-hmm. Um, that was maybe the only thing I enjoyed in this movie yeah, yeah, was yeah. that one outfit. Yeah. Um because uh I'm gonna I'm gonna elicit the gay gasp here. I do not understand. How Katherine Hepburn has four Oscars. (laughs) Okay. And the reason why I say this is because I feel like she was such a character as a human being and she was such a hard worker and she clearly was a talented actress but mm-hmm. every time that she's winning won an oscar because this episode will conclude our uh episodes on Catherine hepburn wins because we've done them all gus is coming to dinner the lion in winter tie with barbara streisand for funny girl and also for on golden pond and each one of those movies i would say she should probably have an oscar for maybe the lion in winter but my preference was um Funny girl with Barbara Streisand, but still, I feel like she should have like one, not four. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time she wins, they're always like, it's always right place, right time. There's always like Spencer Tracy died. They're like, okay, she hasn't won since the 30s. Give it one, give her for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Um, and then the line in Winter, they were just like, oh shit, this is actually amazing. But we just gave her an Oscar. Ah, let's give her another one. And then on Golden Pond, I can't believe she won that Oscar. It, mm-hmm. It's it's absurd to me. Um, and in this particular year, I also am like, I can't believe that she won an Oscar for this movie.
1: I and think the community was just smaller. Like the the Hollywood community, the yeah. community of actors. Like if you look at the list of like all the nominees, you see the same names over and over and over again. Like if you were on contract with a studio and you just worked, you just made like eight or nine movies a year, like almost almost by definition you were going to keep getting nominated. Like mm-hmm. there was there wasn't really a thriving indie scene. There were no like outside forces beyond the major studios. So it's like, if you're in with, you know, Paramount or RKO or whatever, yeah. you're just gonna keep getting them. And she, like, I think she got nominated like 12 times or something. 12 times. yeah. And it's, it's
0: also too, they're Makes rewarding her sense. for like her legacy at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I don't want to say, I don't, okay, I feel like this is rude to say that she's like overrated, but as somebody who has seen a lot of her movies, I'm always just like, this one... Mm-hmm. Like, I realize I'm being so shady, but, like, I don't know. Go off, Kyle. I just feel Go like Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Like, Hepburn. she don't express me much, you know? <laughs> 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 um, So Catherine Hepburn and Douglas Fairbanks Jr., who were in this movie, performed the balcony scene for Romeo and Juliet in costume, but it was not used in the picture. I don't know why mm. that's a fact about this movie, but I thought it was funny. Because okay. that was probably... They could
1: have put it... I mean, it's 70 minutes long. It could have you could have thrown in some padding. I wouldn't have minded. Yeah, sure. Actually, I I, I would have minded. it. I think this is the perfect length. Too long, if anything.
0: 73 minutes is nice. Easy breezy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Catherine Hepburn would state that her performance as Ava Lovelace, which earned uh, her the Academy Award, was inspired by Ruth Gordon, who had declined author Zoe Atkins' invitation to create that screen role. Uh, Gordon would... Uh, win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for Rosemary's Baby at the Academy Award ceremony held in 1969, where mm. Hepburn would receive her third Best Actress Academy Award for The Lion in Winter. And this is the only film in which Catherine Hepburn gives an acting Oscar winning performance in a film not nominated for Best Picture.
1: Yeah. And she really, she really acts the hell out of this movie. Like, it's just, especially this last scene, which is, again, this is right after she's just had her her uh, big smash Broadway debut and it's real. like you really, again, you're seeing the budgetary constraints of the movie where like at this point, if this was like a star was born, you would want to see like a long sequence of, okay, she's slowly getting more and more famous and she's becoming more disillusioned by fame or whatever. Uh, and you don't get that. You get one conversation in a room that lasts for about three minutes mm-hmm. with just her kind of very. Everybody's telling her you're famous now. Suddenly you're famous after one show, and then you have to start uh, eating healthy, uh, and uh, you don't want to become a morning glory. Uh, is that what it was? Like this lady? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was a morning glory. This is this is her mentor's kind of like weird cautionary tale. It's like this woman who's doing the costume. She she was once a star, and then she faded out because she didn't do it right. And so she was just, a, she was just a morning glory. And so you have to not do like that, which is an insane. Oh, wow. I'm totally missed that. Yeah. It's totally fine that you, you blanked it. <laughs> very easy to do that in this one. Uh, and she just has like a very brief crisis and then uh, decides like, actually, I'm, I'm not going to let fame change me. Um, she's like, I'm going to, after
0: one show, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to
1: walk in the park and I'm going to, I'm going to wear a, a big coat and I'm going to buy a big house it's like oh, it sounds like you're already letting fame change. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, and then it ends with <laughs> with her hugging this woman, this old, quote unquote, morning glory, and being like, "That's you're not gonna be me. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of fame." It's like a truly batshit roller coaster <laughs> final three minutes yeah. where she just goes through every conceivable emotion. Right. Um, it's like that's. I mean. That's why you win an Oscar for scenes like that. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, okay, I love
0: that it was a shorter film. I liked seeing the journey of beginning to end, of where she starts and where she ends up. Uh, love the little costume moment. But uh, just in terms of a... Movie. I just
1: don't really think there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and you're very much, this is like a pre Star is Born. Yeah. I think Star no, is Born is like, like a few years later where they kind of nailed this, this kind of thing, this like Rags to Riches. Sure. With like a little more nuance. But this is very much like we're going to take an uncritical look at show business. Right. And like how, you know, rising, rising to fame. Uh, is is the only goal, and there is no downside. I love that the
0: actors, because I'm assuming they're not rich, would wear like top hats and petticoats mm-hmm. and have these like big fancy canes and stuff like that. Um, I guess that was the fashion at the time. Uh, we need to bring that back.
1: Yeah, let's do it. I'm
0: really into the top hat moment.
1: Get into it, Shalame.
0: I am. Performing at the Halifax Comedy Festival this week, I haven't decided what I'm going to wear. I'm going to go look for a top hat.
1: An ermine uh, or like a stoat. Sure. I mean, everyone, no one would forget that. That's true.
0: Yeah, that would be memorable, especially in Halifax. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Catherine Hepburn doing her Mm thing. It's interesting seeing her as a young ingenue. Mm -hmm. And um, let's just say that films were made a lot differently back then. And clearly, there's a lot of potential in this actress, as she went on to be nominated 11 more times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about <laughs> Gather Hepburn in, in Morning Glory. <laughs> Put that one to bed. Put that little baby to bed. Okay, so uh, the time has come for us to select who we think that the Oscar for the 1934 ceremony year win should have gone to. And you are my guest of Honor Dan Dillaboe, so please reveal who you
1: think the Oscar should have gone to. Oh, yeah, I think the Oscar should have gone to. <laughs> Catherine Hepburn, I think, uh, almost by default in this game. <laughs> she is really the only one uh, of these three women who <laughs> got to do anything. Um, the movie is so clearly like a star vehicle. For her, Mm -hmm. every scene is either her talking about acting or, you know, acting like doing a dramatic monologue or someone telling her how great she is at acting. It's truly like the most (laughs) acting centric movie. Like if you're, I I don't see how you could not vote for her. Right. Um, And she truly, I mean, we've been over this before, but I think she's one of the best and she lights up the screen. Sure. Uh, She's just such a, such a great presence and so like emblematic of old Hollywood uh, I just think she's really great.
0: It's also crazy to think, though, that she won this in 1934, and then she didn't win another one for 34 more years. Oh wow! So you're like, I'm. I just turned 34 yesterday, and I can't even A remember. Full <laughs>
1: Catherine Hepburn Oscar gap. You know
0: exactly. Yeah, and it's just kind of crazy to think like you won your first Oscar you know, thirty four years prior and then you won your second one, like like that's a lifetime away from each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, just contributing to that conversation I was having earlier just about her awards are often I feel like based on her legacy and the fact that she's still killing it at such an older age. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I feel like this is a rude comment, but I've, just, I've never really been a huge Catherine Hepburn <laughs> fan. Um, I think I find her as a human being incredibly can. interesting. You can, you can say whatever you want. She's, <laughs> she's not uh, of this
1: earth anymore. You're
0: right. But I, I find her as a human being very interesting. Like, I would love to read her biography. Or oh, like, sure. or or, Kate um, uh, Blanchett playing her in uh, the Aviator. I don't even think that they did her justice because, uh, Catherine Hepburn was clearly gay or bi or mm-hmm. some kind of queer of yeah, some yeah, yeah. kind. Like, but, and I'd love to see that um, explained a little bit more because mm. I think that she was just an incredibly fascinating woman. Um, but I just don't really care too much about <laughs> her her movies very much. But that's that's just me. That's just me. Uh, okay, so I think that the Oscar should have gone to. May Robson for lady for the um I didn't enjoy this movie terribly, but I loved the first two acts of the film, and that's more than any of the other films. I also thought it was interesting to cast um, an, a, a more mature woman in this role because obviously at the time, an old glamour and glitz of Hollywood is all the young little ingenues and the up-and-comers and stuff. Um, I loved the, I think for me, the best Oscar moment was when she was drunk, mm-hmm. and uh, she was in her apartment, and she just looked like disheveled, her hair was disheveled. She looked drunk and she was playing drunk very well. And you made a very good point to be like, when you're playing drunk, it's hard because you're, when you're drunk, you're trying to act like you're not drunk. And I just think that she did like a really good job with those scenes. And I thought it was the most realistic of all of these performances is I'm literally just awarding this Oscar to Mae Robson for that literal one scene. Mm -hmm. Because for the rest of these films, I don't think that any one of these actresses was bringing a certain level of specificity that uh, another one of these actresses could have done. I don't think that Catherine Hepburn in Morning Glory in Morning Glory could only be played by Catherine Hepburn. I think any young up and coming ingenue could have played that role. Oh sure. Um and I just think that Mae Robson as Apple Annie, uh, to me was just like, yeah, you're the only person that I can see doing this role with these three nominees in this year and that one particular scene and the first two acts, of that movie really had my attention where the rest of these movies, frankly, were a chore.
1: Totally. I, yeah. I think we can agree Uh sparse for sure. Slim yeah, all around.
0: Yeah. So, uh, just personal taste, Mae Robson. And I apologize to any Catherine Hepburn stands out there. Oh, you were going to get some tweets, my friend. I probably will. Uh, but that's just, that's just my opinion. Okay. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for being a guest on Best Actress. Where can people find you on social media?
1: Uh, You can follow me on Letterboxd.
0: I'm D. Dill. Uh, Okay, is this where Shania Twain found you?
1: No, no, no. (laughs) She has no idea who I am. (laughs) I should be very clear. Okay.
0: Well, she will soon. Okay, thank you so much. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash actress to subscribe and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.